Welcome to Best Friend Simulator, a quality hangout in podcast form with your simulated best friends, Josh and Dennis. Okay, so last week I had a... a package stolen off of my front porch. It was a, an Amazon delivery. And I know it got okay. delivered off of my front porch because out here in Seattle, we have like direct deliveries from Amazon, ah. which is often like some dude in a car. Which is, we have that here too in Philadelphia. And it's oh. very dis- I find it very disturbing. Yeah. But they take a picture with the app and, and it, 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 ah. it, you get a picture of that, that it was delivered. But I totally didn't realize, like I got a notification, it got delivered and then totally forgot because it was early in the day and it was gone by the time I got home. So it didn't even register. And then a few days later, I'm like, wait, it's gone. So I, I filed a claim with Amazon, wrote them a shitty email saying, hey, we have a sign posted to not leave stuff on our front porch, leave it around the side. So they refunded me, gave me a, a, a credit and stuff. And then a day later, the box shows up opened. Huh. Now, inside, inside of the box was a shrink-wrapped little block of 50 cardboard record inserts to put inside of record mailers. Mm -hmm. So what I'm wondering, did the thief open this up and be like, obviously, like, what am I going to do with this? But then did they bring it back to our house? Yeah. Why? Because... That it was such a shitty thing to steal that they didn't even want to deal with getting rid of it. Did they like turn their? Li- I mean, they could have just literally thrown it in the street. Did it? Did it make them turn around and be like, "What am I doing?" You know, I know you want to think that. Uh, hi, welcome to Best Friend Best Friend Simulator. I'm Dennis. I'm Josh. I I know you want to think that, but the reality is they were probably just like, "Oh man, this dude's." What's this dude doing? I don't need to be... This ain't, This isn't anything for me. I'll just give it back. And then you, the he's probably... is. They're probably thinking, the person I stole it from will, will probably think it was misdelivered. Like, they probably mm-hmm. won't even think it was stolen. But, it, but we all know it was stolen. They just didn't want to deal with it. So you think the thief said to themselves, Oh man, this guy's a real sad sack. He's fucking just ordering cardboard. Yeah. He's got something yeah. wrong with him. So I'll, I'll do him a solid. Yeah. Or do you what? think it was maybe, I'm realizing now, a good Samaritan who maybe found the box and we're like, oh, this person lives up the street and brought it back. Mm. I like to think the thief pitied me. Yeah, that's a good, I like option three where somebody stole it, ripped it open, said, fuck this shit, threw it outside of their car. Somebody picked it up and said, aw, and then brought it to your house. That's probably likely. Yeah. Okay, that's solved. That's done. That's, that's been on my mind all week. What's what up, else man? you got? We're like a bunch of shitty uh, Columbos. We did it. We solved that fucking mystery with the help Be- of the best friend simulator maniacs out there. Hey, if you have a mystery that needs to be solved, shoot us a message at our email address that we have at the end of the episode that I don't remember. You can find Josh it. And, Josh and Dennis at gmail.com. Dennis with one end. End. Josh and Dennis. With one end, you said. With one end. That's right. Not Josh and Dennis end. (laughs) Eh? There you go. There Eh? you go. Fuck you. Anyway, uh, I have a little uh, oopsie. 
okay. that I made last week. Um, we were talking about that Alexis and I were looking for a new place to live. And I didn't think about it that I didn't think my landlord listened to the episode, but I definitely didn't think that he would just read the episode recaps. And so, <laughs> oh, no. I got a text this morning. He's a friend of mine, so it's all good. I got a text. I got a text this morning. Where he was like, "Hey, I couldn't help but notice." <laughs> Oopsie! Holy uh, shit! So I ate a little crow, and I was like, "Oh, I totally, you know, I totally would have like taught. I was going to talk to you about it." And he was super supportive. He's yeah. he's really cool about it. And um, I, I can't imagine he would have a hard time finding yeah. somebody. Well, it's funny because he doesn't really want strangers yeah. in the house. So, so, uh, but we were talking about that, but it was just like, oh, I, I, I was like, I felt bad because I was like, this isn't how I, I certainly did not intend for you to find out this way. But uh, anyway, sorry. So, so you don't have a confirmation that he listened to the show? No, because he definitely said I read on your little. Okay. Little, he didn't say little write up, but you know, he said. It just dawned on me, maybe that's a way for us to get a new listener, is say, hey, if you want to know more, start listening to the show, and I'll tell you then. Oh. That's how desperate we are to get new listeners. Yeah, just get my landlord to listen to one episode. <laughs> just to find out when you're planning on moving out. I like that he was like, I'm not even going to listen to the episode to find out what his conclusion is. Yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> no, it was totally, yeah. It was, well, in uh, case he it, is listening, it, hey, what's up, Scott? It, t- it totally worked out great. He's fine. Cool, cool. Um, I have some news. Okay. So last week, I, I talked about selling things on eBay. You did? And some of the weird interactions I had with potential buyers. And yes. I mentioned that Watain belt buckle that I had. So I sold it for a grand total of $355. Ugh. <sighs> Now, just for the record, belt buckle still just holds your belt together. Just, yeah. And to be honest with you, I think I bought it at a, a live Watain performance, a live ritual, if you will. I won't, but if you insist. If you're if you're in the, the cult with in the cult vein, that's that's probably what you would call it. Uh, no one has ever described me as cult. That's true. Not even with a you. They describe me as dolt. Huh? No. Anyway, uh, I bought this probably like 2008 for a total of $30. And to be honest with you, that was probably too much for me to pay for it at the time, I would have thought. But, you know, I did it. Yeah. Nice little investment. Yeah, if I had known that, I would have bought more. Yeah, really. Would have went back in time and bought all that stupid black metal shit that everybody's paying dumbass prices for now. Well, but $355, that's insane. It's... I don't... Un... <sighs> I mean, somebody just like a completist of Watain stuff? I, I would assume. Which, they have their own merch company called Wolfware. Oh, so they're milking that shit. Yeah, they definitely are. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I wonder. Uh, the, the winner of this belt buckle was not the guy who contacted me. Mm, of course. That guy, that guy was trying to spend like 60 bucks. Yeah, or 20, which was the initial bid. Oh, damn. Yeah. That was a nice little thing that happened this week. There was a, a bidding war while I was at work one day where like these two guys were just going at it, just incrementally raising it until the guy who won Marshall Filth 2013, I think is his username. <laughs> okay. Like he dropped the the big 
$355 bid and the other guy backed out. So you should write to that dude who wanted to buy for $20 and just be like, you're an idiot with a screenshot of the $355 or nice try, Ricky. (laughs) So maybe, maybe it was Ricky. Ricky just, do you think we went too hard at Ricky last episode? Yeah, I think, you know what? I kind of think of it like this. Sometimes I think about if I ever get into a fight where there's something really on the line, like somebody is really like hurting somebody I care about and I'm like, and I kind of lose it. Yeah. I think I would take all of like 40 years of wanting to fight some people out on that one person. I think that's what Ricky kind of personified. Okay. Yeah. He was just kind of. Not just anger at generalized anger. Yeah. it, It was Ricky's face. But right. 40 years of anger just built up. Yeah. That makes sense. Hey, Ricky. I'm sorry. Yeah. We hope you stuck with us to episode 28, which this is. Yeah. And just commented on episode one. But maybe you're just laughing so hard yeah, that you, you, you have such a good comment. time that we spent half of last episode talking about you. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm on board now. These guys, they're cool as shit. Yeah. I mean, also, who's going to take the time? out of their busy podcasting schedule to spend half of an episode talking about one listen. Yeah, it's... Uh. We... <laughs> it's us, because we care. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm... That's we what care I'm about every one of our listeners. And we'll take the time to personalize these episodes. We will. This whole episode is going out to Barry. Hey, Barry, thanks for listening. Yeah, man, we really appreciate it. I hope we have a listener named Barry. Uh... Cliff, my boy Cliff, out there in Cleveland. What's yeah, up? Yeah, Cliff, what's Thank up with you. the mail? Uh, is, it, is it Cliff Clavin? Joanna in Texas. How you doing, girl? Wait, are you just making up shit now? Thank, thanks for sticking with us. No, I saw that we got a lot of downloads in Texas recently. Oh, okay. So it's probably Joanna out in Texas, down Texas way. Who's Joanna? Dennis, come on. Oh, is this a bit? You know how we've just been making up names and throwing them oh, out into, into the air. Shit. Well, I was, you were so convincing. You're I such know. a good. You're such a good podcaster. I'm it a, must be that podcasting podcast you've been listening to. Yeah, podcasting at podcast podcasts. It's great. I've learned so much. You could tell by my expert presentation this episode. You're really pronouncing things very clearly. Why? Thank you, Dennis. Hey, there's no problem with that, my man. Well, all right. Oh, suddenly pronunciation gets boring. Ugh. Go back to my, my mush mouth. So, Josh. Yeah? You wrote a check last week that this week we're hoping your ass can cash. Well, you are in luck because I went upstairs into my little storage room and I dug out all of my high school notebooks. Oh, my God. What, you have, what we have here is a, a marble notebook. Of course, that- as you do, composition book. We are going to put, I, I think, some pictures of this up on, on the Instagram, maybe on Facebook, just so that the listeners out there can see it. Because this is a notebook that I was using probably 1994 to 1995, which put me right at about 17, I believe. Yep, that uh, would be about senior year. Yeah, we got we got stickers all over it. Uh, we got a Danzig sticker here. We got a Sunday Day Real Estate sticker, a Tool sticker. Uh, we have some little kid stickers that I heavily modified. There's a McDonald's Grimace with a number of scars, and it looks like he's wearing a bikini. I got a little right. smiley face that I turned into a devil very cleverly. What? There, there is a, a Taco Bell wrapper that says different is good that I have scotch taped to the front here. Yeah. 
Uh, I've got a Suicidal Tendencies logo drawn on here. Uh, the school is Miskatonic University. Uh, I hate HHS, which was the initials of the high school that we went to. Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a heart sticker that I placed on the center of this that has love, hate, and lies in it. I have to say something. Yeah. I think if there was some sort of podcasting metal for <laughs> just allowing yourself to be totally vulnerable, I think you get it right now because I would never... I took... I, I have a very sparse diary that I kept mm-hmm. between like high school and 30 and I only had like 10 entries in it and I there was some point in the past two years where I put that shit in the shredder yeah see I have you see the size of the stack here wow this is high school and I think a little bit beyond maybe like my first year of college yeah we're looking at uh one two three four five six seven marble notebooks Damn. One of them is the zombie novel that I wrote when I was like maybe 15 or so. You didn't, you never publish it? <laughs> you know, I think about it sometimes. It's, it's I think re- you should. It's real good. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, th- the things you can do in self-publishing these days. <laughs> so, so last week we said, you had mentioned that you had some poetry to aliens that you were going to read for us. Yes. So a little bit of background here. I, at the time, was very obsessed with aliens, but I, I always made the distinction. I was into EBEs, extraterrestrial biological entities. And I think a lot of this maybe came from, I mean, I, I had a lifelong fascination with aliens and monsters and stuff. A lot of this came back to my biology class with Mr. Quinty, who was a, a, a good teacher. I really enjoyed him. And he took special interest in, like, me... Uh, my friend Ethan and and Jen, because we were kind of the weirdos in the class. And I feel like he had an affinity with us because he was like a little bit of an iconoclast, you know, like wasn't into the restraints that were put on him by by the educational system. So Mm. we really clicked. And I was a really bad student. Not really bad. I just didn't do the work. But I was kind of quick enough to get through a lot of shit. Like, you know, I wouldn't study, but still take a test and do all right. And I think, you know, kind of looking back, kind of classic ADD kid symptoms. Mm hmm. But Mr. Quinty, I didn't do some project, and I would have gotten a pretty bad grade if I hadn't done it. So he pulled me aside and was like, all right, Josh, look, like, I don't want you to fail this quarter, so I'm going to give you an assignment that you need to do for me, and then we'll I'll give you a passing grade. So he gave me a book about more or less astrobiology, about evolution and the way that it could occur on other planets i would love to track this book down now i have no idea what it was because it had a lot of really cool illustrations and stuff in it it was just kind of speculative but it really went in it, it the foundation was very strictly based on evolution on our planet but just talked about the ways that it could differ you know like the way convergent evolution could lead to creatures that look like us you know but it, it was just really interesting and it really sparked my imagination um i am pretty sure that I didn't actually do that report. I read the book and loved it, but then never wrote the report. And I think he still okay, didn't fail me. I think he might have just given me a D that quarter. So thanks, Mr. Quinney. But it really sparked a, a love for, yeah, uh, kind of the story of my life there. Wow. It really sparked a love for alien life that could plausibly evolve on another planet. So in this book, I have several illustrations. Maybe I'll take pictures of these too. Of just like 
alien beings. Like, can you see that? Oh, geez. So maybe I'll take some pictures of these too. Okay. You know, it, it was partially, it was also my love of like role-playing game manuals that had illustrations of monsters and like zoom-ins on the stuff that they, their, their distinctive features and stuff. Uh, so I was just really into that stuff. I was really into evolution at the time, just read books about it outside of school. But I was also kind of a sad kid. Like this was at the time when I think my depression was also kind of hitting its stride. So I was very, I, I was sad and I had a lot of kind of deep thoughts in all caps. And I had a very <laughs> profound sense of longing about a lot of things. Like I, I felt a, a sense of loneliness and a, a, a need to connect with others in the world or the universe. Cause I felt like that wasn't necessarily happening with me. So I just wanted everybody to know that background before I read this. So here we go. This is untitled. I know you're out there. I know you're tired like me. You're sick of your world. You're sick of your people. Maybe you only have one or two things to hold on to. Maybe I'm one of them. I know this all too well. So we watch each other's sons and wonder. We wish we could talk, trade places, meet one another. Your world doesn't care about me, nor does mine care about you. We're different, but we can be friends. Don't stop reaching across the distance. One day, we'll get together. I promise. Uh, hold on for a minute, Josh. I love you. Uh, that really sounds like it was written from the perspective of somebody that felt very alienated, alienated, and was looking, was reaching out and just searching for something. But also, Doug, what the fuck? <laughs> I was 17, dog. Come on. I know. Okay. 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 Uh, also, My on God. the opposite page, I have two different drawings of alien eyes. And then do you see this little face down in the bottom here? Oh, whoa, what's that? That is, I, I think I tried to illustrate a character from one of my favorite young adult sci-fi novels, The Exiles of Kolsek. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's about okay. the Earth rounding up juvenile delinquents in the far future and sending them off to colonize an alien planet. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. So look, I mean... You put yourself out there, you read it, you're braver than I, because I am never going to read anything like that ever on this program. So, hey. we say thank you. No, I lay my soul bare for the Best Friend Simulators maniacs out there. Look, that's I, why we are a top podcast. I like to think I'm an open book. This is real shit. <laughs> God, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> Wowie, wow, 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 wow. I'm not going to lie. This... I, I actually got a little bit choked up reading it. Oh, man. Because really I put myself back, back in that place. Yeah. I remember writing that by candlelight in my room one night. Let's, can we have a real moment here? Hit me. What's up? If you right now could open up some sort of way to communicate with 17-year-old Josh, mm -hmm. what would you say? What would you say? You know, 
probably take better care of your teeth. Okay. I'm trying. I'll, come on now. I'm, I'm really. Let's let's get. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm 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 kind of serious there. Okay, you're gonna say take care, take better care of your teeth. What else? What do you want to let seventeen year old Josh know that would maybe let him know that there is someone out there? Um, I would probably say, yo, dude, go find a mental health professional. Mm, okay. Because you have depression and you have ADD, and mm-hmm. if you get that shit taken care of your life will get better, which is a lesson that I'm kind of learning now in my 40s, but better late than never. I I try not to live a life full of regret because it's really easy to fall into that. Sure. And, you know, where I've been is responsible for who I am right now, and I've got a lot of good stuff in my life. If I had maybe done that stuff, who knows? Maybe I wouldn't know Jamie. I wouldn't have my cat Michelin here. I wouldn't be even doing this podcast where I just read my poem that I dedicated to an alien. It's a good answer. I like the teeth thing, though. I think about that, too. I feel like maybe this makes me an old weirdo. But like whenever I talk to young people, I feel like I eventually say that to them. No, whenever, you know, like younger coworkers, I feel like I've said that to a lot of my coworkers who are like significantly younger than me. Like, yo, dude, take care of your teeth. No, my eight year old nephew slept over last night and and he's just like, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, you brush your teeth. Oh, I forgot my toothbrush. What? Yeah. Wake up tomorrow with that mouth. Ugh, that yeah. mouth. Ooh, get that mouth away from me. So maybe this is connected to what I was just talking about a little bit here. I'm a pretty emotional person. This this is a known fact to you, obviously, as my best friend. But yeah, I I, I do know this. Get very emotional about things. Uh, I had one of those moments this week at work. One of the podcasts I listened to kind of hit me from out of nowhere by bringing up the weaker thens, particularly the record reconstruction site. Ooh, uh, it was it was unexpected. I didn't I didn't. This is uh, the podcast Wonderful, which is a uh, Griffin and Rachel McElroy. Who ha- it's a great show because it's them just talking about whatever shit they're really excited about and, and thankful for. So it's a really nice mm. respite from the awful world. You know, I, I, I listen to it and it just is a nice like I love hearing people talk about stuff that they're excited about. You know, that's great, even if it's not my shit. And often the stuff they talk about is not my shit. You know, like, I'm like, but cool, you know, especially music, like they seem to be on a different page than me. But I like hearing people talk about stuff, even if I don't like it, because I get excited about that. I know that feeling. And it's one of the things that I think really motivates me in life. Like, I I love it. But do they do they have any episodes where they like yell at a listener that they get really excited about? You know, I don't think they do, which is why our our podcast is a little bit different than that. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. (laughs) continue sorry so they were talking about the weaker thens and the weaker thens particularly that record that came out at a pretty rough time in my life it was a couple years after my dad died and a lot of that record is about someone dying of a of a a terminal illness so that record just really hits in that that spot plus there's a song about a cat and oh god it's so that was definitely a record that was very much a part of that time in my life so yeah i it completely caught me off guard that this record came up they were talking about it they even talked about the song plea for mccatney virtue that is the thing that like it makes me cry they played a clip from it and i was working i was sitting there welding and it, it's been kind of a rough winter for me brain wise like i've kind of been going through some shit and trying to sort out you know it dawned on me just a few days before this happened that i was like man i haven't cried in a long time i feel like i've kind of been emotionally kind of flatlined for a while like i wonder what's happening and 
this just hmm. pulled out the floodgates. Like I was sitting there crying. I had to put down my welding mask and pretend I was getting set up to weld because like tears were coming down. And eventually I had to run into the bathroom and just sit in there and have a good cry, uh, which is maybe the first time that happened at my job. So after I got it all out, I felt a little bit better, you know, and I just automatically started thinking, how can I spin this into something funny for the podcast? (laughs) I'm glad that's the way you're thinking. I almost texted you, but I thought maybe it would be better if I just brought it up to you now. Okay. And so because you're 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 the uh, the comedy expert in my life. Thank you. You're the person who has studied stand-up, you, you take improv classes, so I want to hear your take on this. Comedy expert in that I can take a terrible situation somehow make it funny. Sure. All right, so... Well, I, I want to say also, this wasn't a terrible situation. Mm. Crying is fine. I, I'm fine with crying. I think that's a perfectly healthy thing. Yeah, it wasn't, but it wasn't a funny situation. But how could we make it into a funny situation? Okay, so let's say someone noticed... What would you say was happening? Hmm. Hey, Josh, are you okay? You look like you've been crying. Oh, I uh, I forgot to put down my face shield when I was grinding that aluminum. I got a bunch of aluminum in my eyes. <laughs> would somebody be like, oh, that sucks? Or would they be like, holy shit, you have to go to the hospital? I imagine they would probably say, then why aren't you at the eyewash station mm. getting that shit cleared out? Okay, okay. Um, no, to be honest, I probably wouldn't tell them I cried because a podcast played a fraction of a second of a song or a few seconds of a song. You would or wouldn't? I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. I would, you know, I'd probably just lie. Yeah. About something. Yeah. But but let's try and make up the most ridiculous thing. Okay. My first go-to would be like, yeah, I just, you know, found out bad news about a family member or something, but that's not funny. Right. Um, let's say that the steel that I was welding was perhaps meteoric iron okay in its original form and that i was thinking about how that meteoric iron came from a sun that went supernova and wiped out an alien civilization and perhaps it was the alien civilization of my friend that i wrote a poem about in high school holy shit yo if you would have said that and then i would stop and say you know i'm just a deep guy like that (laughs) or they would have fired you because you're crazy yeah they would have thought you were crazy. Because didn't you say you work with a bunch of, like, Trump supporters? No, there's just one guy. Oh, okay. What if you said you were crying because the metal you work with definitely had, like, an imprint of Jesus' face? Ooh. And I'm crying because I accidentally ground it out. Oh, yes! That's it. That's the one. For a second, Jesus' face was there in that metal, and I couldn't stop myself and just obliterated it oh i think i killed jesus again (laughs) (laughs) aluminum jesus (laughs) what if someone now what if somebody heard you crying in the bathroom i tried to keep it quiet no i mean somebody came in like they just heard you be like whatever whatever you're like quiet crying sounds like if somebody so let's say okay let's let's do this let's do a little improv here oh i like you be my co-worker here here's me walking out of the bathroom Closing the door behind me. You wait. You just walked out of the bathroom. I just walked out of the bathroom. Closed the door behind me. Oh, uh, hey, Josh. Uh, man, we do the same voices all the time. Uh, let me just come up with a new one. Hey there, Josh. Uh, you been crying in the bathroom? Yeah, that turd really tore me in half. <laughs> oh man, I fucking hear that, man. Hey, don't go in there for a while, eh? You uh-huh. know. 
Uh-huh. Know what I mean? Forget about it. I hope you guys didn't stink it up in there. I have a very special occasion tonight. <laughs> to get ready for in the company bathroom. Ah, 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 ah. Special occasion, Dracula. That's <laughs> me. You know you're not supposed to go in there anymore. Those blood shits you take are awful. You guys, with these rules, I'm getting sick of this shit. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And scene. That's how fucking professionals do it. Yeah, I like, did it. I was definitely thinking of a of a a, a bowel movement that was difficult. That's what okay, I, I, cool. I, was, I was feeling you on that one. I, I could, We're on the same page. Yeah, I like cool, it. Cool, cool. Well, I'm sorry you had a good cry, but maybe I'm not sorry, because I think that's good every once in a while. That's fine. I think I kind of needed to, to clear out the pipes there a little bit, you know? Definitely. It's very helpful. Or else that shit gets stuck. Yeah. Then you have a panic attack in the middle of Acme while you're trying to figure out what kind of cereal you want to buy. Are you speaking from personal experience here? Mm, I don't remember if it was cereal, but definitely happened at one point in time. Okay. It's relatable. Pre-therapy. Uh... BFS Maniacs out there, if you have any stories like this you want to share with us, feel free. We're here. And as a service, we can offer to make it funny for you. I mean, we'll try. Yeah. We'll do our very best. Look, we've laughed at funerals of very close family members, so anything could be... You could argue the closest family members. (laughs) Anything could be a fun time, if you think about it. Uh, Fun or absurd. Yeah. But yeah. Life is tough, dudes. Uh, hang in there. There's always people out there willing to listen to you. So, Yeah, and listen to our other podcast, Songs We Cry in the Bathroom To. Oh, Jesus. Um, it's going to be a lot of weaker thans. And the Super Mario Brothers theme song for some reason. Okay. Really? No, i just kidding. Okay. See? Comedy. There you go. Huh? What did I cry to recently that was weird? Oh, I cried to Iron Maiden. Oh. I guess that's not that weird. I've cried to Iron Maiden for years. There's a few songs that really get me. Wasted Years? Wasted Years? Yeah. Uh, that's 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 definitely one of them. Uh Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter? No. <laughs> Nor Charlotte the Harlot. Oh. No, the 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 Iron Maiden song that's made me cry the most over the years is The Evil That Men Do off the of Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Interesting. I just it gets me. When he sings Don't You Cry For Me, like, oh God. It's so good. Hmm. That song rips. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Teach his own. Okay, folks. Up next, we have a long-promised topic that I've been wanting to discuss for a while, and this one has been a fucking bear, let me tell you. Uh, So, uh, I think this is going to be a three-parter. Ooh. Get ready for the return to Josh's Paranormal Portal. Ooh. So, we're going to talk about Skinwalker Ranch, and this is going to be our first three-parter. Right? We haven't done a three-parter before, have we? I don't think so. Okay, yeah. This is going to be a three-parter. And this topic is... its There's a lot here. And the problem is, a lot of it doesn't make sense. So I read the book Hunt for the Skinwalker, Science Confronts the Unexplained at a Remote Ranch in Utah by Calm A. Kelleher, PhD, and George Knapp, uh, which was released in 2005. And the book is... It's a... It's a pretty decent book for what it is. Um, it was pretty entertaining. I, I listened to the audiobook while I was at work, so I was keeping notes uh, on a note-taking app on my phone. But the thing is, they don't necessarily present it in a chronological way. They sort of like 
cluster stuff. So it made it a little bit hard to follow. And the thing is, the very nature of the Skinwalker Ranch story itself is that it's kind of baffling. So I spent a really long time taking notes and then taking those notes and trying to put them into something remotely presentable. You know, Hmm. like I'm still, I feel like I'm still kind of getting the hang at presenting these topics. And this one was definitely a challenge for me. And I'm definitely a little nervous going into it because I'm afraid that it's going to be absolute nonsense. But let's, I guess, dive right in here. Well, I think it helps you in that this is an absolute nonsense topic. So we're going to make more sense of it than I think some people know. So I think we're okay. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've listened to other podcasts that covered this and even some of the really good ones had a hard time putting it all together in a cohesive way. So mm-hmm. so let's let's see what happens. Now, do you know anything about Skinwalker Ranch before we dive into this? Well, we, we talked about it on a previous episode. A little bit. I think I teased you with, I think, a dog man wearing a, a plaid shirt, right? Uh, yeah, we talked about <laughs> the... Um, well, I posted the picture of the alien that was obviously mm-hmm. the alien toy in front of the ranch. No, 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 no. That's Stardust Ranch. Oh! Which we've covered... And in hindsight, after doing all this digging into Skinwalker Ranch, I realized that Stardust Ranch is totally a cheap knockoff of Skinwalker uh, Ranch. I was, you know, I, it was funny. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess we're going to do three parts on the thing we already did before. But it turns out I am an idiot. No, no, this is this is a different topic. And yeah, after really digging into this one, I realized I'm like, oh, that guy's just kind of trying to cash in on the popularity of Skinwalker Ranch and have his own thing going so this all starts in 1994 when the sherman family a guy named terry his wife gwen and their two kids buy a 480 acre ranch in the unita valley of utah to establish a cattle ranch the shermans had been doing this for a while and i think they were gonna breed some kind of like rare hybrid something or another not like a weird alien hybrid but just a normal cattle cattle a normal cattle normal cow Normal cow. Normal cow stuff. So when this book was published in 2005, they used a pseudonym for the Gormans. Or no, I'm sorry. The pseudonym Gorman was used for the Shermans. So I I think I changed all my notes. But if I say Gorman at some point, know that I'm talking about the Shermans. Gotcha. I I think I caught all of them when I went through and, and polished everything. But just in case. So they bought this house. It was heavily fortified, they claimed. Uh, There were locks on every door, outside and inside, and often on both sides, which they thought was strange. Uh, The perimeter of the house had a lot of areas with posts set into the ground that looked like they were set up for guard dogs as well. And they claimed that there were strange clauses in the contract, including an agreement to refrain from any serious digging on the land. Now, information about what went on at this ranch before the Shermans is a little bit dicey. It was owned by a family for years. I think there was like an old woman living there by herself. And there are claims that it was also empty for years, like nobody actually lived on it for for several years. And this is kind of one of the first issues that you run into with Skinwalker Ranch. Many of the facts presented by the Shermans are just taken at face value. Mm -hmm. There are other people down the line who confirm some of the things that happen afterwards, but most of this initial stuff just comes down to the Sherman's word. No one has been able to find any history of trouble directly on this land either. So that's just an important thing to keep in mind, I guess. So while the the Shermans had bought the land and while they were moving in one day, they encountered a giant wolf on their property. 
Um, they were standing outside, and this wolf walks up to them. Now, this wolf was too big to be a normal wolf. And also, the interesting thing is that wolves hadn't been seen in the area for about 70 years. Hmm. And from the description, it actually seems to match something known as a, a dire wolf, which is a prehistoric animal related to wolves. Now, initially, when I when I first heard the story and read it, the dire wolf thing comes up a lot. And I, as a D&D player, thought of like dire wolves and that, which are huge. Now, dire wolves are big, but they're only about 25% larger than gray wolves. So, I mean, that's a big animal, but it's not like the size of a, a Buick or something like I kind of thought it was. Like the dire least, wolves in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. I, although I think they might be a little big, a little bigger than at least what they were in real life. Although that changes down the line. Okay, so this wolf approaches them and the way it's acting, they're thinking like, is this somebody's pet? Like, did somebody tame a wolf? Is this from like a neighbor or something? Because it just walks right up to them and seems cool and it allows them to pet it. And is being like, you know, relatively friendly, not skittish or anything. So they're like a little caught off guard when suddenly it notices that a calf nearby sticks its head through the fence and then it just snaps and charges, takes the calf's head and is trying to yank it through the fence. Mm. Uh, So Terry runs over to his truck and gets out his 357 Magnum and shoots this wolf point blank. It remains unfazed. Uh, He shoots it again. It lets go of the calf, backs up, and then acts like it hadn't been shot twice, point blank, with a 357 Magnum. He shoots it a couple more times. It backs off, but still seems unfazed. Terry is kind of freaking out at this point. He runs to his truck and grabs his hunting rifle and then shoots it. This time he manages to blow some flesh and hair off of it, but it doesn't do anything. Like, it's not harmed. He shoots it a sixth time. And then it just kind of strolls away very casually into a muddy thicket. So Terry goes and chases it down for a mile and then claimed that the prince came to an abrupt end. When he went back to the ranch, the flesh that was blown off of this creature with his hunting rifle looked and smelled like rotten meat. Hmm. So that was the first encounter at Skinwalker Ranch. I think my question is, how are you going to sit there and let a wolf just come up to you like it's not a wild animal? You know, while I was going through this, I thought of you reacting to a giant wolf walking out of the woods up to you. First, I'd shit myself. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'd back into my house and stay there. Yeah, Probably exactly. forever. Now, I, I mean, I don't know. The Shermans, you know, come are a long line of like ranchers and stuff. So maybe they're more comfortable with animals. And like they said, it wasn't acting like a wild animal, which is the thing that kind of, I guess, made them feel a little less wary about it because it was acting like a pet almost so a week later gwen sherman encountered the wolf again while she was in her car but this time she said it was so large that its back was parallel with the top of her car window bigger Uh, than the first time bigger than the first time i believe Mm, that ain't right uh it was also accompanied by another canine creature that looked different than the wolf but she couldn't get a good look at it because it wasn't like kind of staying still enough Uh, eventually i think it wandered off and then she got out of the car and, like, escaped, I guess. Better sell that ranch. So these were, like, the, the first couple of things to happen. And then what we have is... Now, the rest, chronologically, I don't I don't have it, like... They were presented in the book as encounters without any particular dates. But it, it just... It looks like it happened over the, the span of when they moved in in 1994 
1996. So I'm just going to go over some of the phenomena here that they claimed happened. Poltergeist activity. Uh, a lot of like kind of classic poltergeist activity. Items in the house would regularly go missing and then turn up later in completely different areas. You know, stuff like Gwen said she was in the shower, got into the shower, had set her hairbrush down that she brought with her from the bedroom into the bathroom, set it down in the sink, got in. And then when she got out of the shower, the brush was gone. And then it turned up like in the kitchen or something two days later. Now, hang on for a second. It wasn't there. Yeah. That's ghost activity. That's not you just forget where the fuck you put your hairbrush for a second. I mean, you know. Okay. I, I sorry. 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 Good. I, I, and I, I should clarify. I approach this stuff. I'm looking at it at face value, just presenting it how it was presented. I understand. We'll we'll discuss down the line, kind of what I really think. But for now, I'm going to stick to just at the facts as presented. I like we'll to think. Discuss. That when I ask these questions, I'm channeling the audience as they listen to this. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not okay. asking you. I'm not challenging you, Josh. I'm challenging okay. the idea. I want to be clear here about that to my own stance on these things. So an- another thing that happened was the old salt and pepper switcheroo. A little bit mischievous. Pepper and the salt shaker. Salt and the pepper shaker. Sounds like they got a problem, child. Yeah. But then, oddly enough, uh, they would go buy groceries come back like go back out to the truck to get some more come back and then mysteriously those groceries had been put away by someone sounds like the problem child felt bad about the salt and pepper thing mayhaps mayhaps now as far as i could tell there isn't the ghost of a little girl here like there was on stardust ranch Mm. so I, i feel like stardust ranch is maybe trying to up the ante a little bit like oh you got poltergeist yeah we got a little girl ghost so yeah what do you got oh the salt and pepper switcheroo whoa oh cool Whatever. How 1994. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so in addition to poltergeist activity, uh, we had unseen things flying in the dark. Uh, some, the Gordons, nope, there we go. The Gormans, uh, the Shermans reported sounded like giant animals, almost like flapping wings. Other times they sounded like a helicopter. Uh, there were times that they said that there were voices above them that they couldn't make out. I don't know if they were necessarily speaking English or if they were speaking another language, but like they would be out in the dark and just hear conversations up in the air, you know, 40, 50 feet above them. There were oblong box-like objects that floated around the uh, around the ranch that made noises that hummed like a refrigerator. Sherman recounted chasing some of them down to no avail. They would always kind of get away too fast. And it was brought up in the book that these are very similar in description to objects known as chupa chupas, mm. which translates to sucker suckers. I like the chocolate ones. Yeah, I, I thought about the chupa chups lollipops, which I did. You have a bunch of them in your glove compartment at some point. Yes. When we were younger. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought so. I think of your car whenever I think of chupa chups. I sometimes so anyway. bought a giant bag of them because they were delicious. They were oh, great. Yo, I want some Chupa Chups. Oh, the banana split one? I'm going to look on Amazon for them after we record. Yeah, look them up. Uh, so the Chupa Chupas were box-like UFOs reported in Brazil in the late 1970s. They also allegedly made refrigerator noises, but they were said to fire beams of light at witnesses, many of whom were reported to have died with symptoms consistent of radiation exposure. What? Which... I know it like if you look up UFO attacks, this is, is always on that list of like the small number that are seem to be like directly hostile to people. 
Hmm. So Gwen saw one of these from the house at one point. She initially thought it was an RV that somebody drove onto their property because from a distance, it was like a boxy thing with lights. And she was like, how did they get here? Because our, our, our property is all fenced in. She thought maybe it was some like a squatter trying to hide out on their land or something. She grabs some binoculars, takes a closer look and sees that this boxy object is lit up from the inside. And that there's a seven foot tall humanoid figure wearing a black uniform with some kind of strange black headgear on. And they're sitting at a desk. And she's watching this figure. And then eventually it gets up, walks over to a doorway that lights up in the side of this thing. And then it watches her. And then I think she kind of freaked out at this point and ran away. But the next day, the Shermans went out to, the, to examine this and claimed they saw 18 inch footprints in the mud where this this thing was it was in a flying box it was in a flying box that i think was just parked on the ground like it was land it it had landed or something so in addition to the boxes uh there were sightings of small triangular objects that would often show up and project light on the snow or they would show up in storms often these things looked similar to F-117s or B-2s, which I think are like stealth bombers, like triangular craft. But the thing is, they were really small, and they also moved in ways inconsistent with those. You know, the, the, those aircraft are still, you know, they have like kind of linear propulsion systems. These were hovering and floating and moving different ways that like those things can't do. So in addition to the, the the small black triangles, there were orbs. Now, these orbs are different than a lot of the other orbs that I, I feel like I've, I've read about in UFO literature. These are orbs that are blue. They have a glass-like encasing on them, uh, and they seem to contain a swirling liquid. Now, the Shermans said that they made crackling sounds. Uh, when they got close to the house, the lights dimmed. And Terry said he, he shone a flashlight beam on them, and they would always retreat from the beams if you if you put the light on them. Now, this, this next story is probably one of the most iconic Skinwalker Ranch stories. One night, an orb appeared and was floating around the property. And Terry, I think, he, I think, was fed up. So he set his three dogs after them. He had uh, blue healers. And they chased this orb off into a copse of trees. He said there was a loud noise and the dogs all went silent. He was super freaked out by this and says that he didn't go back until the next day. But when he went back, there were three dry patches of grass that had gone brown. And there were like greasy black smears in the center of each one. And he never saw the dogs again. Yo, those bubbles fried those dogs good. And there's, there's more bubbles too of different kinds down the line. So we also have, you know, the classic crop circle situation happening. Forged circles appearing on the ground near the house, you know, on a pretty regular basis. Uh, The next one is one of my favorites. So in 1996, there were some newspaper articles, first in a local paper and then picked up later by George Knapp, who is now the host of Coast to Coast AM. But at the time he was in Las Vegas and he was writing for a weekly paper called the Mercury, the Las Vegas Mercury. Uh, So word started to get out about this at the time. And the Sherman said that a dude showed up on their ranch one day, pulled up in a truck. He was like a big guy, kind of had long blonde hair, I think. And they were like, uh, what can we do for you? And he, they said he was really nice, but he was like, yeah. He's like, you know, I just heard about this place. And I was wondering, like, would it be cool if I meditated somewhere on your ranch? I won't take up a lot of your time. Just 
if I just hung out and meditated, you know, kind of like I'm getting like a new age kind of hippie vibe. And I think they were kind of bemused by this. So they they took the guy in their truck. He said he wanted to find the right spot that had like the right vibes or something. So they took him to a pasture and he's like, this is it. This is the one. He's like, Can I, you know, I'm going to do this here. So he gets out, walks out into the center of this pasture and sits down and starts meditating. The Shermans are watching and then notice something at the edge of the pasture, the trees start to move and they see this blurry shape emerge from the woods. It charges at the guy. Uh, They said it was probably moving at something close to like 50 miles per hour. It stops right in front of the guy, still a blur that they can't quite make out and roars at him. Uh, The dude jumps up, freaks the fuck out, runs up to Terry and hugs him and is like super freaked out. Terry is like, all right, man, you got to let me go, dude. You got to let me go. And eventually he got the guy off of him by saying, hey, if you don't let go of me, I'm going to hit you. (laughs) So the guy lets go and the guy's like, "Okay, get me out of here, please. And then like just left. So a couple of years later, Terry and his son watched the movie Predator for the first time. And they both agreed that whatever this thing was looked exactly like the Predator when it was cloaked in the film. I got to I got to call bullshit on this. Yeah, my issue, you know, this happened maybe like 94, 95, 96. Predator came out in 86, I think. Who's seeing Predator for the first time in the year 2000? Yeah, or 90, you know, whatever, like 97. 97, yeah, whatever. Let's say. I don't buy it. That's kind of the thing. Because, you know, I, I had heard of the Predator story or like this Predator story first. And I I assumed that the Skinwalker Ranch stuff was earlier. I thought this was the 80s and it predated the movie. But afterwards, I'm like, okay, you know, this is... A yeah. Yeah. So in addition to the Predator, we move on to stuff affecting the cattle. So you have vanishings. Cattle on the ranch regularly start disappearing from the ranch. Terry often follows tracks that just disappear abruptly in the, in the middle of a clearing. Sometimes cattle just disappear right when the Shermans are there, you know, like they turn their back and then a calf is gone or something. So on top of that, you have cattle mutilations, that classic of the literature, uh, one of the most well-known phenomena connected to aliens, question mark, UFOs, black helicopters, all that. So this stuff happens or happened on the Skinwalker Ranch quite often. Uh, For example, there was one instance that Sherman recounted. uh, He was chasing down cattle that escaped from a corral. And as he's chasing after them, he looks over and sees that one of his cows actually got stuck in a canal. And it it, like the cow wasn't in in any particular Mm -hmm. danger and was kind of there. So he's like, okay, well, that one isn't going anywhere. So he went, spent the next 20 minutes rounding up the other ones that escaped and came back for the one in the canal but this time it was dead. And when he went down to check it out, it had a perfect six inch diameter circular core taken out of its butt. <laughs> Did they specify butt? Yeah, it's it's. Weird. Oh, no, they didn't specify butt. That's my own colloquial <laughs> way of referring to it. I mean, I even did, I, did they, that they specified the posterior is weird enough. It's I, I believe in the book they said Heine, perhaps. <laughs> Who wrote this book? My grandfather? (laughs) Uh, So another thing connected to the cattle mutilations, anytime lights would appear over this one pasture, which was starting to become a pretty regular 
occurrence. The next day, a cow would be found dead in the area. Was it the bubbles? Perhaps. The bubbles, the RV refrigerator things. Who knows? So these mutilations were escalating, and they were all kind of fitting into a pattern. The cuts found on the bodies were surgically done, very sharp, clean lines. Things were removed, not in like a ragged way. Found at many of the sites was a gel that evaporated way too quickly for anybody to take a sample. Sherman claimed that the corpses decompose at a much slower rate than normal. And as I mentioned before, most of these seem to take place during storms. Hmm. Okay, and one of the, the last and one of the biggest and I think most significant recurring events on Skinwalker Ranch were the windows, as they're referred to. And this is why I decided to go back and call this one Josh's Paranormal Portal. On multiple occasions, every member of the Sherman family would see orange structures in the sky up above this one particular ridge. Uh, it was about a mile away. They were orange, bright lights, and initially they thought it was just another bright light. But then when they went to investigate them, sometimes they realized that they were invisible unless you looked at them directly. And they realized they were actually sort of like a tunnel or a window, like a door, something along those lines. At some points, they claimed that these structures showed bright blue sky beyond them, even if it was, they, even when they appeared in the dead of night. And they also claimed that black triangles were seen coming through and exiting these windows. Aren't black triangles like seen a lot? Like, isn't that a phenomenon of like paranormal stuff? Yeah, yeah. That that's through in the nineties. This was that was pretty huge. That was, you know, one thing about UFOs is that they tend to change shape over the years. You know, the early shape was the cigar shaped one. I think like it in like some of the earliest. Mm-hmm. 20th century sightings and then it changed to like a disc and then you know so they've been changing in the 90s it was definitely black triangles or black v's floating around similar to stuff bombers yeah and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that stuff later too because it it kind of comes back up so i think one of the last things to happen chronologically in 1996 was the incident with the dogs being destroyed by the orb. Okay. And Sherman got very fed up at this point. And at this point, it also made it to the news, as I mentioned before. Articles were appearing in Salt Lake City's Deseret News, and George Knapp was writing that series in the Las Vegas Mercury. So things started to get pretty big. People started to become pretty interested, and he caught, or the ranch caught the attention of a certain billionaire with an interest in the paranormal named Robert Bigelow. Ah, we've spoken about Robert Bigelow before. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I believe he was in episode 15. So you might want to go back. You, the listener, might want to go back and give that episode a a listen because we talk quite a bit about Robert Bigelow. And that was, I think, the first time we mentioned Skinwalker Ranch. Mm. And also... If you want to go back and re-listen to the Stardust Ranch episode, you can also kind of compare and see how that's just a knockoff. Yeah, it's not, now that I realize we talk about two different things, it sounds like a knockoff. Yeah, yeah. Skinwalker Ranch is kind of G.I. Joe, and Stardust Ranch is kind of the, the U.S. forces figures that you can get at the drugstore. Mm. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch is kind of Transformers, and Stardust Ranch is kind of GoBots. Yeah. 
Skinwalker Ranch is RoboCop. Stardust Ranch is Robert Cop. Oh, dude, but Robert Cop is my favorite. I know. And I mean, <laughs> there's nothing in Skinwalker Ranch about killing aliens with a katana. So in some ways, you know. Mm, it's true. So yeah, so that's epi- er, the first part of Skinwalker Ranch. Next episode, we will get into, we'll continue the timeline. And we'll also discuss a little bit about what might have happened there. I'm very excited. This is already super creepy. It's crazy. Because we yeah. got predators, black triangles, and cattle mutilation. It's like a best of. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a greatest hits of everything. So there's talk of Bigfoot too. Yes. But don't get your hopes up too high because I, I feel a little like they kind of shoehorned a Bigfoot in there when that doesn't really fit. But hmm. yeah. So next week we'll come back with Skinwalker Ranch part two. All right. Hey. Until next week, that's all the time we have for this cattle mutilation. Yeah, I'm going to just go take a little walk through this window behind me. Oh, shit. Blue skies forever, baby. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Best Friend Simulator. Send us an email at joshanddennis at gmail.com. That's Dennis with one N. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Friend Simulator. And thanks to Alan for the theme music. Listen to his podcast, Werewolf Ambulance, and Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. Also, thanks to Justin for the artwork. See more of his stuff at burntobuild.com. That's all the time we have for this outro. Bye. Bye.